0: There's a story of a famous baseball catcher. His name was Yogi Berra. Some of us seasoned folks will know the name Yogi Berra. You may not know that name, Gracie, but he was a very famous catcher. He played for the New York Yankees. And um, at that, around that same time, there was another famous hitter, batter, and his name was Henry Hank Aaron. And um, he was, you know, one of the greatest batters or hitters uh, of sluggers, maybe, of all time. And they were, he played for the Milwaukee Braves, and there was a game between the Milwaukee Braves and the Yankees. Yogi Berra had a personality, I think a lot like yours, Gracie, where he was just always smiling, you know. He just, and he loved, uh, you know, he loved to joke around, and he made his teammates happy. But he also liked to distract the players from the other team. Uh, you know, in a funny way. He just always talked. And so Hank Aaron came up to bat. Yogi Berra was catching. And when Hank Aaron came up, Yogi Berra said, hey, Hank, you're, you're holding the bat wrong. You're holding the bat all wrong. You're supposed to be holding it where you can read the trademark, right? That's where you're supposed to hold it. That way you can hit better. So Hank Aaron didn't pay attention to him. You know, he knew Yogi, so he didn't pay attention to him. The pitch came, and I mean, he hit that ball out of the park. Home run, first pitch. And as he ran around the bases, he touched each base. base, And when he came home, he touched home plate. And he looked down at Yogi Berra and said, I didn't come up here to read. okay?" (laughs) Hank Aaron knew what he came up to do. And he was not going to be distracted, even by the great Yogi Berra. He had a purpose. I want to talk to you today about living on purpose. Living on purpose, living with a purpose, amen, living on purpose. You know, talent uh, gets you uh, far in life. Many people are gifted, many people have uh, a lot of talents, and uh, they excel, whether it's in sports, business, marketing, you know, customer service, Uh, a lot of people have skills and talents. One of the things that you begin to realize as you go through life, Gracie, is that Talent is great and skill is great. You're gifted, but it only gets you so far in life. I had a conversation with my wife some time ago and we were, we were talking about people who really excelled in life and we thought, is it better to be gifted, naturally gifted, and does that propel you to that level of excellence or is it hard work? You know, which, which one is it? And one of the things that I've learned is you need both. You know, and and really, everybody uh, has a gift or a talent. God has given you some skill. You may not have discovered it just yet, but he's given you a, a talent, and you need to add hard work with that to get to where you need to be. And if you don't live on purpose, I kind of liken it that story that I've told here several times, and you guys are probably very familiar with it, but it's apropos even here, and that is that if you're out on a boat on Lake Monroe. You've heard this story maybe before. And uh, you know, you have maybe some oars where you can row, but you don't, you're not using them. You just put them in the boat. You don't have a motor. You don't have a sail. And maybe you're just out there on the lake and you decide to take a nap. Now you're not going anywhere. You know, you're not rowing. You know, there's little wind Uh, and you take a nap and then you wake up. All of a sudden you find yourself way over here. When you went to sleep and took your nap, you were way over there. And you thought, well, there's no wind. I didn't row. How did I get over here? And what you find is, is just the natural movement of the water, right? It'll, it'll take you to a place, even if you don't want to go there, right? If you're not purposeful, if you're not rowing and going where you want to be, I liken the water to life. Life is going to take you someplace. Now, whether it's where, the, where you want to go or not, are you going to put your oar in the water, right, and move forward? And I believe God wants you to put your oar in the water and move forward towards your purpose. More people fail in life for lack of purpose than do for lack of talent. Amen. More people fail in life due to lack of purpose than they do to lack of talent. Christians without goals are a little like Alice in the fairy tale, Alice in Wonderland. I remember watching it, it's been years since I've seen that. Uh, Have you ever seen Alice in Wonderland? Maybe, Uh, maybe. Uh, Yeah, so see, like me, you're getting old now, Gracie, see. Uh, It's it's been a long time, but I remember a scene um, or a part in that play, you know, that book, that movie, Alice in Wonderland, where she was talking to the Cheshire cat. And I don't know if you remember Alice in Wonderland. I don't remember much about it, but I just, this scene came to mind. And it is, uh, she fell down the hole and she doesn't know where she is and she's trying to figure out where to go. And she comes across the cat, and she asks him a question, which way should I go? And the cat said, well, that depends. Where do you want to go? And she said, her response was, well, I don't really care where I go. And he said, well, it doesn't really matter which way you go. <laughs> if you don't know where you want to go, then it doesn't matter which way you go to get there, right? And so God wants us to live on purpose, be purposeful about everything that you do. If you have your Bible, we won't, uh, I won't read it just yet, but go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I'll get there in just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you have your Bible, if you have uh, your phone or a way to get to, to scripture, some kind of way, get there. And I always say, you know, there are those who are real gifted with their memory. Maybe you remember 1 Corinthians chapter 10. You might have memorized the whole thing. I don't know. Not my testimony yet, you know, Sister Carla. I've I've tried. I remember my wife made me memorize James chapter 1 when we were first married. And I did it, you know, because I wanted to impress her. Um, But don't ask me to recite all of it now. (laughs) Amen. I, I remember working also. Uh, for a company called AT&T. Anybody ever heard of that company? It, now it's just AT&T, and it doesn't really stand for anything. But when they started back in the late 1800s, it meant American Telephone and Telegraph. American Telephone and Telegraph, okay? And uh, when they started out, it was about communications, about getting people to communicate with each other. And for years, years upon years, decades upon decades, they were just known as the phone company. Because that's what they did. They had telephone poles and manholes and uh, wire and cable and telephones, and uh, you know, in your house, long before we had mobile phones. But then technology came, and uh, I remember working for at and uh, in the early 2000s. And the CEO of at and at the time, he came back excited he came back so excited from the Pacific Northwest where he had a meeting with Steve Jobs and they uh Steve Jobs and and the company of uh, Apple they had this thing called an iPod you may not even remember the iPod now um, but it was it was an iPod and it had all these apps on it okay and AT&T uh had had come up with the cell phone all right so you could call each other right And he said, why don't we put our heads together and make this one thing? And it turned out to be the device that you have now is not just a phone and it's not just an iPod, but it's a device that, uh, you know, you use the apps probably more than you do the the cell phone. Um, And I remember thinking that there were so many people that were at AT AT&T and worked for the company that were angry because we were moving away from our core values, they thought. We're moving away from who we are. We are the phone company, okay? Why are you doing all this television and streaming? And, you know, this guy, uh, Randall Cunningham was his name, had this vision long before you heard about Hulu and Peacock and all of these. He had it. This was in the early 2000s, okay? And we were like, what are you doing? I'll never watch TV over the internet. I'm not going to do that. That's dumb, okay? And so people were upset with him and with AT&T, people began to retire. They took re- early retirements. They said, this is crazy. But what happened is AT&T shifted. The thing that I realize now that I don't work for the company anymore, it's been some years. As I look back, I realized that AT&T understood what business they were in. They weren't in the telephone business. They were in the communicating business. Right. And so understanding what business you're in, they were able to adjust. They were able to pivot. Right. Whatever word you want to use. All right. Clever word. They were able to pivot and just keep on moving forward and be the leader in the industry because they understood their metron. This is a Greek word metron. Metron means more than purpose, Gracie. Metron means, it is a a Greek word that really describes your sphere of influence, okay? Metron is a word that describes uh, all of your gifts, your talents, and it puts that together with your purpose, and now this is your lane okay? When you think about the Apostle Paul and Peter and James and John and, all, and Mary and, and all of the disciples that followed Jesus, when Jesus resurrected and then he taught the kingdom of God for 40 days and then his time on earth was over, he stood on a mountain and he gave an edict, he gave direction, go into all the world, right? Baptize people, spread the gospel, make disciples. He gave everyone a purpose and so they all had their purpose but they all had to figure out within that purpose what's my metron so Paul his metron maybe was i'm going to I'm going to minister more to um, those who are not Jews the Gentiles maybe Peter would speak more to uh, those who were Jews right James became the pastor of the church in Jerusalem, okay? There was another pastor in Antioch, and, and they had, so they had different metrons. And so beyond your purpose, pray that God will show you what is your metron, what is my sphere, how do my gifts and my talents, right? Because I can't compare myself to someone else, okay? How does that go together? And then you'll find anything you do, however you do it, it doesn't matter how you do it, as long as it's from God, but it's that you do it unto the glory of God. Amen. That's what God wants from you. First Corinthians chapter 10. you probably have maybe the King James version, the new King James, you might have the NIV. Uh, you know, if you're smart like Gracie, you've got a device where you can get to any version of the Bible. okay? No problem. I'm going to read this one in particular from. Uh, version called the God's Word version okay I know the New King James is my thing that's my jam the New King James okay I love it all right but just for purposes of getting a point across today I'm going to read this from the God's Word translation if you have a different translation don't worry same Holy Spirit we'll get to the same place together God's not going to let us go off okay because we love the Lord I know I do and I know you do too all right starting at verse 23 of chapter 10 uh, I mean, of, yeah, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23, the Bible says this. says, someone may say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is helpful. Come on, somebody. I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything encourages growth. I can do it. Hmm. People should be concerned about others and not just about themselves. Eat anything that is sold in the market without letting your conscience trouble you. Certainly, the earth is the Lord's, and everything it contains is his. If an unbeliever invites you to his house for dinner and you wish to go, eat anything he serves you without letting your conscience trouble you. However, if someone says to you, well, this was sacrificed to a god, don't eat it because of the one who informed you and because of conscience. In other words, what he's saying there is if someone there with you says, you shouldn't eat that because it was sacrificed to a God. You might feel like, well, I can, I can eat it, but because of conscience, don't do it, okay? Because you don't want your brother or sister to stumble. He goes on to say, I'm not talking about your conscience, but the other person's, person's conscience. Why should my freedom be judged by someone else's, else's conscience? If I give thanks to God for the food I eat, why am I condemned for that? So whether you eat Or drink, or whatever you do, do everything to the glory of God. Don't cause others to stumble, whether they are Jewish, Greek, or members of God's church. I try to please everyone in every way. I don't think about what would be good for me, but about what would be good for many people so that they might be saved. You think about what Paul is saying here. You see how he talks about Uh, purpose and even metron but really at the end of the day it's all back to the purpose that Jesus gave on that mountain before he ascended go and bring people into the kingdom now there's many different ways to do that and sometimes Gracie you'll find in life people get caught up on methods and forget about the purpose and if the truth is there then the methods don't really matter much You may do it one way. I may do it another way. You may wear a suit and a tie. I may wear a nice pink shirt. But if we're both preaching the gospel and we're both following God, I don't think we're going to get before God and God's going to say, well, you get a special place, Eldon, in heaven because you wore that nice suit. Michael, you go over there. You had on a pink shirt. It looked good, but it wasn't as good as the suit. I don't think he's going to say that. The methods that we use may vary. And you'll find that in life. You know, someone else goes about it this way, you may go about it that way, and and neither may be wrong. We have to follow the Holy Spirit. And God wants us desperately, if I can say that, to live on purpose. But in order to do that, you must find your purpose. You must find your Metron. And so I want to give you five keys to living on purpose, Gracie, as you go into life, as you go into nursing school and, and uh, you know, maybe find somebody who takes a shine to you. That's the old terminology, takes a shine. And, uh, you know, who knows? Maybe one day you'll get married. I don't know. We don't know. And uh, But whatever you do in life, do it to the glory of God. Amen. Amen. Five keys to purposeful living. The first one I've already mentioned, uh, and that is, Please, don't compare yourself to others. Don't compare yourself to others. Can I tell you this morning that there is actually a sin of comparison? A comparison is not just, there is actually a sin of comparison. Jesus does not want you to be a person that compares yourself to other people. Okay. And I'll tell you why. See, it's not about, um, you you know, judging yourself and making yourself better because you can look at someone that you aspire to be as I do. Even the elders in this house, I look at brother Forrest and elder James and, and brother Eldon and even brother Michael, who I I, I know very well. uh, But I look up to these guys, even though I'm their pastor, I look up to them Life advice and uh you know what should I do it this way? Should I not do it that way and uh you know and I listen to all of those things, and so there's something to aspire to, but at the end of the day i can't I can't compare myself saying that I want to pray like Brother James or I want to speak like Brother Eldon or I want to have that kind of compassion that Forrest has because God has given me a metron. you getting that word? A metron, okay. One of the fastest ways to discourage yourself and get trapped by the sin of envy is when you compare yourself to others. God has a specific plan for you, and you won't accomplish it by looking at others and comparing yourself to the way they went through nursing school and how they deal with patients. God gave you a way to deal with your patients. See, comparison only does one of two things. And when you compare in this way, it's only going to produce one of two things. It's either going to produce inferiority, which means I'm not as good as, or superiority, I'm better than. That's the only thing that it's going to bring to. Either you're inferior or you're superior. I'm I'm either one or the other. I'm either better than you or I'm less than you. That's the only thing that comparison does. Theodore Roosevelt said this. He said, comparison is the thief of joy it's the thief of joy don't compare yourself to others someone else said you have no idea what their journey is about someone else said a flower does not think about comparing itself to other flowers it just blooms and Gracie you are blooming (laughs) you are a blooming flower amen you are a blooming flower if you should develop a superior mindset, now all of a sudden you have to deal with pride. And I think we would know how God feels about pride. I'm not talking about being proud of your children as Nancy is proud of Gracie, but I'm talking about a pride in yourself. You know what I'm talking about, an arrogance that wells up. When you compare yourself with someone else and you're better than them, That's what you have to deal with. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 17 says this, but the scripture says, Whoever wants to boast must boast about what the Lord has done. For it is when the Lord thinks well of us that we are really approved and not when we think well of ourselves. Always remember that. If you should develop an inferior mindset, then you'll have to deal with shame. And just as bad as arrogance and pride is, shame is just as bad. Sometimes even worse. God does not want you to go through life with your head down, with a false humility, and and feel like you're guilty or you have a shame, shame mindset. He doesn't want you to have that. Isaiah 57 says this, because the sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. I will not be disgraced. Therefore I have set my face like a flint and I know I will not be put to shame. No matter what you say about me, I won't be put to shame. Romans 8.37 says this, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You are more than a conqueror, no matter what anyone else says to you. Even when you fail in life, should you fall short, you are still more than a. How are you going to conquer something if you don't trip over anything? Come on, somebody. I'm not telling you to go out and look for something to trip over, but I'm saying just keep living, and, and the enemy's going to throw things at you. All right? There's going to be a storm that's going to rise up in your life, Gracie. But as you have God in you, you'll be able to walk on water right through the storm. He might not take the storm away, but you'll walk on water right through the storm. Amen. So don't compare yourself to others. The second one, this may sound kind of funny, but don't be ashamed of your scars. And this is for everybody. Don't be ashamed of your scars. You know, scars, scars can be a funny thing. I remember my wife and I were on our honeymoon, and I had the bright idea of renting a, a little moped, a little motorcycle, and driving around the island where we were. And uh, she said, ah, I don't think I want to do that. You know, they have, a, they have a Volkswagen Beetle. Let's just rent that. Let's drive around the island. Let's drive to the beach. And I said, no, no, honey, let's do this. We can, you know, we can drive. We can take the moped. We can take the motorcycle. So, you know, uh, she said, okay, let's, let's try that. But you drive. I said, okay. So we drove, and I was able to drive it. And We went to the beach, had a great time, great day. Well, you know, being uh, the man that I am, I didn't stop there. I egged her on to drive. You should drive. She said, no, I've never driven a motorcycle before. You know, I don't want to just get on it and drive. And I said, no, no, you can do it. You can do it. You can do it. You can do it. And so we were on the motorcycle. And I I was going to say long story short, but it's already been long, so I can't make it any shorter. But um, we ended up crashing on the motorcycle. All right and had to go to the hospital now mind you we're in a different country and we go to the emergency room they don't hardly speak english they said a few words like rambo he was calling me rambo you know and uh different things like that but we had to have, i had to have stitches okay and uh if i were able to take off my shirt which i won't do that because i want you to stay in church um i i would be able to show you i still today i don't know how many years we've been married 20 24 years Ooh, Lord, hey, mercy, Jesus. 24 years, and uh, it's still there, just like it was that day. You know, the scar's still there. But you know what's funny? Uh, I could be ashamed and want to always hide it. But it's kind of funny. I'm kind of it. It was a moment. Now I don't. I didn't enjoy the moment at the time, and I don't want to redo it. But it was a moment in time. Right. And uh, then I remember I remember going to the hospital. I remember, uh, you know, the, 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 the nurses and doctors joking with us. I remember the fact that we were in another country. We didn't know if our insurance was going to work. I mean, you know, just all of these memories come flooding back. And it actually brings me joy to remember those kind of things that I share with my wife. And so uh, scars bring to remembrance some things sometimes to us. That without the scar, we would never have gone through. We would never remember, right? Scars teach us some things. See, Romans chapter 5, verse 3, Paul said this He said, We boast of our troubles because we know that trouble produces endurance. Endurance brings God's approval, and His approval creates hope. This hope does not disappoint, for God has poured out His love into our hearts by the means of the Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to us. You see, Scars do many things for us. Number one, it teaches us what works and what doesn't work, okay? It'll teach you, if nothing else, it'll teach you what not to do. Peter didn't know he could walk on water until he walked on water, right? And he didn't know, really, that it was his faith that he was walking on in the Word of God until he started to sink, right? Because then when he got back to the boat, Jesus said, why did you doubt? Oh, I doubted. Now I know. Now I know, don't be ashamed. It helps us redefine priority and re-envision priorities and re-envision our goals. It can tell us what's really important. Sometimes we don't know what we want until we fall. I know I don't want that, right? It allows us to seek inspiration as well as inspire others. Sometimes when you go through things like that, it's because you thought you knew how to do everything, right? You, You thought you knew how it went. But we seek inspiration, and it teaches that, us that. It teaches us something about ourselves. Often, you don't know what you're capable of until you fail and get back up. Now you know you can do it. Until you fall and get back up, wait a minute, I fell, and I got back up. I'm still here. I say that about the church all the time. Everything we've gone through with COVID and, 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 and all, all of the social stuff and everything, we are still here. Jesus is he still died on the cross. He still rose again. He's still seated at the right hand of the father. You are still an overcomer. You're still more than a conqueror. You're still the head and not the tail. Come on. I don't care what comes at you. You are still here. You're still here. And then number three, I'm going to three expectations here. Finish up. Number one, Well, number three, the first expectation, though, is expect God's grace to be sufficient. See, it's one thing to say God's grace is sufficient for me, especially as Christians. We've been in church a while. We love to quote that God's grace is sufficient. We sing songs about it. My wife wrote a song about it some years ago. God's grace is sufficient. But see, it's another thing to expect his grace to be sufficient because now you go into a situation knowing that his grace is sufficient for you. Fear begins to go away. See, Paul said, what shall we say then in response to these things? Ha, if God be for us, who can be against us? Come on, somebody. If God is for me, who, why am I afraid of the enemy? God created the devil. He created Satan. What makes you think he can't overcome him? And if God is in you, what makes you think you can't overcome him? Come on. If God is for us. You will find yourself in situations, Gracie, where only God's favor is causing you to accomplish the things that you're going to accomplish. There's going to be detractors. There's going to be haters. There's going to be those that come against you. But in all of that, they just don't understand the anointing that is on you. Come on. And then number four, expect God to give you victory. Expect God to give you victory. God is not going to leave you high and dry. Philippians 1, 6 says, being confident in this very thing that he who began a good work in you will finish it. Come on. He'll give you victory. And in number five, he'll finish his work. The message version of Philippians 1.6 puts it this way. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day that Christ Jesus appears. Everything he does, everything he does, he's working in you. It's just our perspective. It's our perspective. Allow God, Gracie, to show you your purpose. And I don't care if you're here today and you lived life and you're retired even. Come on. You still can say, Lord, I'm still here, so I must still have a purpose. And I'm gonna live on purpose, even in my retirement. Now, grace, it will take prayer, devotion. It will take patience. Come on. But he will reveal to you not only your purpose, but your metron. And we've got to seek it from God. And I just want to say that in today's time, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, defining who you are and, and, and you can be who you are. I, I want to say something, and please, uh, listen to it. When you try to define who you are, watch this now, and you try to define your future, failures become disappointing setbacks. Now watch this. But when you allow God To define your future. In other words, when you discover, because it's about discovery, when you discover who you are in God and you discover your purpose, failures are simply stepping stones that propel you forward. That's what will happen. It's not about whether you'll fall in life. You'll fall down. You'll fall down. But when you allow God to show you what your purpose is, every fall, every failure is just going to be a stepping stone to push you forward. It'll be just like when the devil was looking and thought he had the victory. Jesus died on the cross. I got you. I got you. But Jesus said, that's exactly where I wanted you. That's exactly what I wanted you to do. (laughs) I'm an overcomer and you're an overcomer, Gracie. Amen.